Hello everyone, this is Tanika Drake and I am going to share a book with you that I've written called The Gift of Finding God's Love, Guilt and Shame Turned into My Shine. Please check that book out either on Barnes & Noble or you can find it at Amazon or any place where you can get that book. Remember, it is not okay for anyone to hurt or harm you. Please check that book out and happy reading everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN network. Come join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for Sunday worship. Bible study is held on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are located at 3006 North Lindbergh Boulevard Suite 711, St. Louis, Missouri, 63074. All are welcome and we look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, so I asked Pastor to, um, and for those who are watching, you need a notebook for this uh, class um, dedicated because there's a lot of information that is going to be relayed and I need everyone to be able to go back and look. In addition to that, um, we'll have a supplement next week, a supplement books of the Apocrypha um, that would be used with this class. Um, and um, understanding that it's not part of the canons, but it's also, um, but it is something that supplements what we need to know, okay? And um, give me one second. Steve, can you um, do me a favor and pause this so we can get it together? Yes. All right. So we're going to be um, in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. Of course, you know, um, and those who don't know, we always start off with the introduction first. And then um, in the next class, we will actually start in um, hopefully Ezra 1. We're going to take our time. We go word um, line by line and word by word. So, um, therefore, there, we, we got all the time that God provides to get in this book. So, there's no timeline. Um, I want you to know that Israel is is God's holy seed. Um, we talked about this last week in the um, evening class when when Pastor was talking about um, his holy people. And so in Deuteronomy seven and uh, seven and six, do me a favor, Nancy. Go to Deuteronomy seven and six and read that for me, please. Deuteronomy 7. Uh, 7 and 6. Uh-huh. All right. And that says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So Israel was God's chosen people. And we we can see, because we just left out of Kings, <laughs> and... um. First and Second Kings and Chronicles and Judges, and we noticed that even though the he they was the chosen people, they 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 didn't um, honor um, how they were chosen. And you can also find um, in Ezra um, nine and two says after these things have been done, no no that's one sorry, that they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons have mingled the holy race with the peoples around them. So we know that when we left off in Kings, it was a whole bunch of intermingling. It was a whole bunch of, and it started off with who? Who started the intermingling? Solomon. Solomon. Solomon started marrying all these wives. And what happens is when you marry all the wives, you start taking their religions. And that mm -hmm. he started the, the, the downward fall of what eventually happened at the end. And so when we left off in Kings, they are now in exile. The uh, Most of the people are spread out. And, of course, we know 
that um the line of uh, um the two houses were spread up. What the what were the two houses that were spread out? Israel and Judah. So we know that Israel has now been um, disbanded. Now, Israel is not lost. They were just disbanded and put in exile. So they're not together anymore, right? right? right. And the house of Judah, most, they had went, um, they were exiled in several uh, first and second shifts. You know, we're going to talk about Daniel later when we get in the book of Daniel. But they were all exiled, and Nebuchadnezzar went on and, and split, split some things up, okay? Um, the books um, of First and Second Chronicles are close, closely related to Ezra and Nehemiah. In fact, in some books, it is First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, um, Third Chronicles, which is Ezra. Um, let me make sure I got that right. They are all like together. Remember I talked about kings? That's how they, they were all put together. So, um, and then there's also the Apocrypha book, um, the uh, Estras. Um, they were also included in the list that went with um, Ezra and Nehemiah. Okay? So, how it went was, um, it went this way. In the Greek, it's Ezra A, Ezra B, and Ezra B was Ezra and Nehemiah together. And then, in some books, it's Ezra, Nehemiah, Estratus, and then the Apocrypha book, Estratus. But however, they believe that First and Second Chronicles is a companion book to Ezra and Nehemiah. Okay? Everybody hear what I said? Mm -hmm. There's several themes in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, even though they're separated in this Bible, but a lot of bo um, books of the Bible in the Greek and, and um, other books combine them, um, is the restoration of Israel from the exile um, that was God's doing. Remember, we knew that God was going to put them in exile, and we knew that um, um, Jeremiah and Isaiah and all of them were telling them Hey, this is what's going to happen. And we had other prophets telling them that, remember? Mm -hmm. The other theme is the restoration of the covenant uh, community was complete. So Ezra and Nehemiah is going to talk about the restoration of God's covenant. He stated in Daniel, um, not in Daniel, but um, uh, he stated, and we'll talk about that in a minute, that they were going to be in exile for 70 years. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, this is the fulfillment. These books are the fulfillment of it. Okay? Please write notes because this is important. Um, the other thing is God used the world powers to discipline Israel. And he used them to restore. So he used Nebuchadnezzar to destroy them, right? He used the, um, the Assyrians to destroy them, right? He's all he's going to use the Persians to restore them. Amen. Okay? So that's something that we're going to learn when we go to Ezra um, and Nehemiah. Ezra 6, 3 through 4 shows that um, the Persians helped finance and rebuild the temple. Now, the Persians are not responsible for the rebuild. God is. However, God uses who he wants to, right? And we find a lot in the Bible that is, God uses anybody and everybody to 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 do His purpose, right? Mm -hmm. When we talked about back in Joshua's time, the Gentile woman—I'm gonna call her Gentile woman—that um, helped hide um, the spies. She wasn't a, um, an Israelite, was she? Mm -hmm. So God uses who He wants to use. Okay, Rahab. huh? Rahab. Yes. Um, the uh, next theme is. Um, is Israel's restoration evoked fierce opposition, but the opposition was thwarted at every turn. And the rest, you, you would find that the restoration was really um, thwarted by their own people because people thought they were going to lose power. They thought they were going to lose prestige, and they, they basically um, did not want this to happen. And we'll talk about that as well. 
And the last thing that we'll talk about is Israel was uh was uh chastised but still I'm sorry, not chastised, was chosen, but still remained wayward. So even though they kept kept getting disciplined, kept getting disciplined, even in when we go all the way back to Judges, God still chose them. And even though this time they went in captivity, um, and they were still chosen, they still did what they wanted to do, right? They still mm -hmm. straddled the fence. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um the text, um, let's talk about the text. Um, they were not two books, but they were split up. So remember, we talked about that in First and Second Kings. Remember, we talked about that how First and Second Kings were actually together in the scrolls, and they split them up. So it makes sense when I say Ezra and Nehemiah. They usually are books that are talked about together because these two chronicles, chroniclers, um, wrote around the same time, and they're usually together, just like First and Second Chronicles. They're not all written by the same author, but they um, were split up in when they did the canonization that way. Okay. Um, the late language spoken is different than in the time of first and second Kings. Um, they, the language spoken and written is in Hebrew and um, aromatic, right? Why do y'all think it's two languages instead of one? Because of the captivity. Correct. Because of the captivity. On the, took on the, the language of their slaves. Language. Correct. And so it was written in two languages. The majority was written in Hebrew, but please note, I'm going to take my time when I tell you this. Ezra 4 and 8 through 6 and 18 and Ezra 7, 12 through 26 was in um, Aramaic and not in Hebrew. Okay. Um, and there are, uh, a lot of people say, okay, the book, the Bible is exclusive, but it is not because what happens is when they do, if you take a class in, um, biblical studies, they use other outside resources from the Bible to just, to not justify, but to fact base what's in the Bible. And there are some, some letters called the F and team letters, and they refer to in Nehemiah two and 10 that shows that the accounts in Ezra and Nehemiah actually happened. Now we know as believers that whatever's in this book is is God breath, breath you know, breathe. But for scholars, they have they always try to use other resources to support the factual accounts in the Bible. Everybody understand what I'm saying? The last four chapter of Ezra is known as the Ezra Memrah. Which means that this is talked, this is spoken in first person. So Ezra seven, twenty-seven, um, chapter seven, verse twenty-seven to um, chapter nine and, and eighteen are all um, written in first person, and the rest is written in third person. Okay, mm -hmm. and um, the memoir chronicles um, the second. Um, group the second people of coming back of the large groups of you know coming back to israel um both not it was in jerusalem and both the um talks about the priests and the scribes and israel talks about or well, israel not israel ezra says he talks about the torah and being obedient okay so the first part of ezra talks about the first returnees the first refugees coming back to jerusalem and then the rest talks about the second one, okay? Um, let's go to Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 3. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you 
and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. Verse 3, you shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. Okay, so the reason why we're revisiting this is because when, when we first started in Joshua and we showed that Joshua was conquering these lands and, this, and Deuteronomy was being fulfilled, right? They did not do what? They did not obey the Lord. Huh? They didn't obey the Lord. Well, that's, that's, they that's, they, okay, so that's a simplistic thing. But they didn't destroy everybody, everybody like they were supposed to, right? They didn't conquer all they, of them. They didn't conquer. Even though Joshua did everything he was supposed to do, he was old, right? Mm -hmm. But when they had the opportunity to destroy, they not Joshua, yeah. the Israelites had the opportunity to destroy, they did not do so. They, yeah, they did opposite of what God told them to do. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, so they did that. And then in Judges, they did whatever they wanted to do. And then we enter into 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. And then we have Solomon. And what does Solomon do? The, everything that a king is not supposed to do. We ain't going to go over it again. But we went over it three times. Everything the king wasn't supposed to do, Solomon did. I'm curious, does anybody know what those things are? Anybody, it ain't two of them. Yeah, he married, he married other people's <clears throat> daughters, and then he went to Egypt and got all the stuff Correct. Yeah. He did everything, and he, and he valued he valued gold and silver more than whatever. So all the good things he did was erased at the end because of his greed. He was wise, but he was he was greedy. He was greedy in women. He was greedy in product. Everything. And that was one of the reasons why Solomon's temple had to be, it was it was being taken down because of, of the seeds that he planted. Okay? Um, God's seed planted ill things. And you, we talked about it in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. How many times we talked about people killing people and, 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 and basically whoever, whoever came up into, um, you know, whoever became the king, Basically, it was a free-for-all, right? It was an Armageddon. Everybody was killing everybody. I'm a, I don't like what you're doing, so I'm going to kill you. I'm going to become king. And it was repetitive. And everybody was as, as horrible as who? Please. Jeroboam. Thank you. So everybody was just as bad as Jeroboam. Now, we had a couple people that wasn't as bad as them. But they were still deep in sin, worshiping other gods, idolizing things and 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 one of the main things is intermarrying that it makes sense now let's say this that they would intermarry when they are in captivity because of course you're not with your people everybody's just being dispersed and one of the things when you put somebody in captivity you don't keep the group together so they can be an insurrection you spread them apart right and so they they gonna be with who they are around and we are who we are Right, we gonna love who we want to love, do what we want to do, because that's our animal instinct, right? Okay, so if we go to Deuteronomy twenty three and nine, um, twenty three, verse one through nine, um, yeah, twenty three, verse one through nine. No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. No one born of a forbidden union may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. But the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam 
Instead, the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loved you. You shall not seek their peace or their prosperity all your days forever. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian, because you were a sojourner in his land. Children born to them in the third generation may enter the assembly of the Lord. When you are encamped against your enemies, then you shall keep yourself from every evil thing. So that's what he said, right? So we're going to go to Ezra 9, 1 through 2. We're just going to touch it a little bit so you can see that one of the um, the remainder of the memoir of Ezra is devoted to the intermarriage um, within the community. You're just going to read 1 through 2. Ezra 9, 1 through 2. After these things have been done, the officials approached me and said, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the land with their abominations from the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. Verse 2, for they have taken some of their daughters to be wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race has mixed itself with the peoples of the lands. And in this faithless, faithlessness, the hand of the officials and the chief men has been foremost. And so basically it's saying it's the, the race has been defiled because of the intermarrying, right? Mm -hmm. um, and of course we know that a lot of people have used these scriptures to justify why um, races shouldn't intermarry. But this was about the Jews, the, the Israelites. This was not about other other place, other people, Gentiles at all. Um, another note, some say that Nehemiah 8 should follow Ezra 8. We'll talk about that more in detail, but a lot of scholars looked at the books and said that they should be um, following each other and a lot of the um, uh, not a lot but a couple of chapters in Ezra and Nehemiah um, follow each other or are, are, um, duplicative but we know that's the same thing that happened in first uh, is in second chronicles and in kings correct mm -hmm. um, there and even in Isaiah we found that there were sections that were almost identical to the <coughs> sections that were in second kings right Yep. All right, Nehemiah 1 um, and 1 through 7 and 5 is his memoir, which means it's talked in first person. And it talks about the um, first returnees um, and repopulating um, Jerusalem. This also is the exile um, under Zerubbabel, and it reports... Um, that he was a governor at the time, and we'll talk about him more in depth. Um, Nehemiah 1 and 6 equals Ezra 1 and 6. Both begin with the construction facilitated by God. So we're going to look at um, Nehemiah 1 and 6. No, no, just want to make sure. Oh, no, not Nehemiah 1 and 6. Nehemiah 1 and 6 when I say one in six chapters, and Ezra one and six talk about the construction. Um, the first six chapters talk about um, the people returning in Ezra. Talks about the people returning under Cyrus. And this happens decades before Ezra's ministry. So it's setting the stage before Ezra actually comes into play. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So when we read the first part of Ezra, it's setting the stage of how we got here. Everybody understand that? So I think that's something that is important that you should write because when we get to get in the chapters and start describing things, we understand. And I know uh, my cohort likes chronicle, uh, chronological order, <laughs> likes all this. So I wanted to make sure that you understood that, okay? Um, an interesting fact um 
um, we know that they are um, these books are separate, but in the Greek, Estratus is included in the um, Apocrypha, and we already talked about how it was broken down. Um, when we talk about a date, it depends on whose theory you want to um, talk about. Um, they said most scholars believe Ezra and Nehemiah work together. If you look at Nehemiah 8 and 9, 12 and 26, um, and 12 and 36 is an explanation, and we'll talk about that more in depth. And um, most believe that it was written under, I'm going to screw up this man's name, so I am going to spell it, A-R-T-A-X-E-R-X-S, the first. A-R, uh-huh, the first, king of Persia between 465 B.C. to 424 B.C. As noted, um, that 2 Chronicles 36, 22-23 is copied um, from Ezra 1, 1-3. And since we've already went to 2 Chronicles, we're going to go backwards. And... Uh... Stacy, I would like you, because you know you're the chronicle person, <laughs> to read 2 Chronicles 36, 22-23. And then, we're not going to read Ezra, but if while she reads it, you can look, you can kind of fold up your book and you can kind of see it's the same. Go ahead. 2 Chronicles 36, 22. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation through all his, throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with you. Let him go up. And so remember when we ended second when we for second Kings, but we also ended Second Chronicles. We was like, why would you end like that? Mm -hmm. Well, it makes sense now, doesn't it? Yeah. That they ended like that because um it was intended or it was planned that the book of Ezra would be read Ezra and Nehemiah would be read with Chronicles. That's what some scholars say. Um, it makes sense to me. Um, but Jewish tradition says that Ezra and Nehemiah were separate from Chronicles. However, I don't know. I, if, if I fit to me, in my sense, in my sense, don't make it's not a hill of beans, that if a book ends with something and then another book begins with it, they have some type of connection. Either way, I just find it um, interesting, okay? Mm -hmm. Other Bible prophets that were around during Ezra and Nehemiah's time, Haggai, which is one, um, Haggai 1 and 4, and Zechariah are mentioned. There were other prophets around, but these were the ones that were mentioned in the books, okay? So what prophets did I say were mentioned in the books? <clears throat> okay. Um, and under Xerxes, is that how you pronounce it? Mm -hmm. uh, 3,000 to 5,000 Jews returned with Ezra to the land of um, Judah. Seven years of his reign, Nehemiah was his royal cupbearer. Okay? And so we start with Cyrus when we start the book. Remember, that's just historical context. But we're talking about what happened around Xerxes' time, okay? Um, now, we talk about Nehemiah, who was the cupbearer. He comes to Jerusalem at the request of his brother, and um, Hannah. And after hearing what was going on and the lack of security and all the things, he came to Jerusalem with permission from the king as a governor to rebuild it. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I talked about earlier 
that there were one of the things that there was some 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 people that said, I don't want you to do this, right? So there were three leaders that were um that appeared that were against Nehemiah because they accused him of sedition, which means um asking the people to rebel, mm -hmm. inciting rebellion. Okay. Um, we have Sanabat, which is S A N B A. Thank you. S A N B A L L A T. He's the governor of Samaria. He didn't like it. Tobiah. Um, he's an Ammonite leader. And Gershom, who is an, um, an, um, I don't want to politically incorrect, but he was Arab. Okay. So those people didn't like it because they felt like they were going to lose power. He was, he was inciting to rebel. Um, and I can tell you this, that Nehemiah wanted and Ezra wanted to go make sure that they went back to the traditions of, um, of the people, right? Now, I want to talk about the inter, um, the internal Jewish leadership. We talked about Zerubbabel. Um, he's David's descendant, but not king. Why is he not a king? Because David had multiple sons, and not all of his sons became king. Well, no, that's not a good answer, but you're close. When we left Second Kings, what happened? <clears throat> if you're in captivity, can you be a king? No. All the princes, all the royalty was taken away by Nebuchadnezzar. Correct. So he was a leader, but he wasn't a king. Let's go to Matthew. Okay, y'all. Yeah, I'm making me. And he was not from the, he was not the Nathan's line. No, he's not. And of course, yes. And we learned that last time, right? Mm -hmm. We learned because we learned that there is a curse on the David's, on David's line, right? Remember when we mm -hmm. talked about that in 2 Kings, there was a curse. All right. So if you go through, and I'm not going to read through all this, but if you go through Matthew, and we talked about this before, 1, 1 through 17, it gives the genealogy of how we get to Jesus. And verse 13 says what? Steve, go to Matthew 1 and 13. Zerubbabel begot Abiyah. Abiyah begot. Okay, no, that's all you need to talk. Because it, it mentions Zerubbabel particularly, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um, another thing about the internal um, leadership is that the priests became stronger. Um, you know, before when we talked about in Kings, we talked about the kings. And um, in Judges, we talked about the prophets, remember? And the people that, but now the priests become stronger. Um, even though the temple, was the temple was destroyed, but they maintained their position unlike the monarchy. Anybody find that fascinating? That the priests, the Levitical priests, the Levites, stayed strong while the minarchy, uh, minor, uh, minarchy was destroyed? Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's interesting to me, Bishop, because from the time of Levi, the priests were going downhill morally. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They, they were not... By the time the Second Kings comes, they were not even in, you know, they weren't even in the picture for real. Correct. All they, they were, talked about was the kings and the prophets, the kings and the prophets. Uh -huh. The priests were like set aside because they were so corrupt. And you know that one that one priest, he knew better, but he was like, I'm going to hide the people in the cave. And I ain't going to say nothing because I want to live. And so the the Levites took a back seat in Second Kings, right? Mm -hmm. They took, we really didn't hear about them too much. Right? right, we really stopped hearing about them um, for after. Um, remember when in First Kings, when David um, had uh, most of those Levites, um, he accidentally, yeah, accidentally on purpose yeah, got them yeah. killed. Mm -hmm. We really stopped hearing about the priests per se. You know, there was always a priest giving him guidance, but it wasn't. We didn't talk about them as much. Mm -hmm. and so the kingdom split. Uh, uh, Jeroboam had his own set of priests. Correct, yeah, and he and he, and he threw. He yeah. yeah, he threw the priests that were 
um, around him back to Judah, right? Right. So we we didn't really talk about the 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 Levitical line, the priest. Um, but when we we learn we will learn in um in Ezra and Nehemiah that they are important, and so we'll talk about that more in Nehemiah ten thirty three through forty. Um, the lead. Go ahead. You about the word priest. What is the what is the what is the relationship between the priest and Israel? Anybody? What does the priest represent? What is the priest? What is a priest versus a prophet? The priest was one who was who was like, I was well praying and interceding, talking to God on behalf of the people. And what was the prophet? They were in comparison. Prophet talked to people on behalf of God. There you go. All right, move on. The Levites. Um, who were not from Aaron's line could not officiate at the altar, but may assist um, the priest. And you can find that in Numbers 18, 1 through 6. The Levites uh, could slaughter, but do not offer the Passover offering for the people. And we'll talk about that in Ezra 6 and 20. They assist in purifying people for the festival. And we talk about that in Nehemiah. They assist the priest in teaching the law. Anybody notice a different, well, I'll let y'all think about that. But you have y'all noticed a different um, way of, of worship has changed for the, um, the Israelites from 2 Kings to now? Yep. It, okay, anybody see that? By the what I'm describing? Yep. This sounds more like what? Maybe. I'll let y'all ponder on that. Do they not have a temple right now? They don't have, they don't a, temple, have a temple. So. But you don't have to have a temple to praise God, right? Right. So what does that sound like? When they was in the wilderness. Nope. It sounds like the beginning of what we do now. Right. Oh, that they just The priests are teaching. They don't have a temple. There is no um, Ark of the Covenant that they're bringing around. <laughs> the people are are learning about God from the priests, and God is everywhere. Yeah. Everybody see what I'm talking about? Yeah. So the beginnings of what we do now is in right here in Ezra and Nehemiah. And you know, Vince, what I was thinking too was, and back in the Old Testament, the prophets opened the books. Correct. The priests didn't open the books. Correct. And Ezra and Nehemiah, because they were scribes, were qualified to teach. And so, therefore, they, um, you didn't, they didn't take the inner, they didn't take the Levites out of the way, but they, 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 they brought us to the path of where we are now. Mm -hmm. Because a pastor can, is teaching. And you learning on your own and understanding, and and then the Torah was open because he's a scribe. He was able to say, "Oh, you know," because we remember in Second Kings we learned at the end that they hadn't even been doing the Passover correctly. Correct. Right. And that means that the Levites weren't teaching; they weren't doing anything. They was just doing stuff by rote, by tradition and religion. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, I just got excited. Hold on. Um. And they, um, the, the Levites were listed among the officiants of the governor. Um, they were the temple museums. They were the clerks, the storeroom people. Um, they, um, and they also were the gatekeepers of the temple and of the wall of Jerusalem. So in Ezra and Nehemiah, the Levites, not the ones that, um, they're kind of like priests. They're kind of like what we do now. They are now doing more things than they were doing before, right? Um, a scribe, we're talking about scribe. We're talking about the in internal Jewish leadership. A scribe is Ezra was, um, was, which Ezra was. And so they record the laws and um, in memory. But this one is that he's a scholar and he teaches God's word. So when he's sitting, we just talked about in chapter 9, He's sitting up there saying, y'all know y'all ain't supposed to intermarry and y'all doing that. Mm -hmm. This is what the book says. Just because, now let's think, think about this and I'm, I want y'all to really think about it. Just because you don't have it in your face does not mean that the elders and the people don't remember what you're supposed to do. 
a lot of traditions are handed down because a lot of, just like the Jews, a lot of people lost physical paper, lost scrubs, but a lot of times you, we are taught what we were taught and handed down by word of mouth, right? Tradition. So as a Jew, you know that you're supposed to circumcise your, your, kid, your son, right? And you know about the Ten Commandments, right? And now you might not know all the 1800 laws and I'm not being 634. I'm being I'm exaggerating. Um that they they had because it would be impossible for you to um not number one know all of them, but number two abide by all of them, right? Mm -hmm. And so but you have the basics. And the people of Israel weren't even doing the basics. They basically, when they were exiled, um, the scholars talk about the um, they 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 um, the Levites and the priests were telling them about God to keep their culture around, but they intermerse themselves in the environment that they're in, mm -hmm. and that's what happens when people come in bondage or slavery, and you separate the people, they lose a lot of their traditions and their self identity. But don't you think that that was purposefully put on from the Gentiles or Nebuchadnezzar? They did that purposely so that they would lose their identity and gain the identity of mm -hmm. their culture. Correct. But that's the, that's the whole, and that's my point, and, and you're correct. That's what you would do if you want to keep somebody captive. Right. Right. That's the that's the handbook. All you would have to do is open up this book to figure out how to keep people from banding together, right? Okay. Ezra's teaching is twofold. He talks about the joy um, of rebuilding um, the temple, but he talks about the joy of 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 the word of God. He also invokes guilt because the he recognizes that their lifestyle does not match the or um yeah it doesn't match the expect um the expectation of God. Hmm does that sound familiar? That that they under he he was making them recognize that their lifestyle and who they believe they who they who they say they believe in don't match. Mm -hmm. I guess that was just the Israelites. Mm -hmm. That's us. Yeah, that's us. Mm -hmm. And if I mean I, I, well, I ain't gonna say that's us. I can say that's me. And no, sometimes, no. Mm -hmm. but at the same time, if somebody sees you, will they automatically know that you were Christian? Because it do does does your lifestyle line up with what you learn in, in, in church? I'll leave that there. Um both Ezra and Nehemiah were opposed to leaders and priests intermarrying, and they were upset because Ezra wanted them to get divorced. And they did not want to divorce their wives. Right. Wasn't that the line that could really prove that they were uh, Levites? Remember that line? We we gonna talk about okay. that in um in uh we're actually gonna talk about that in second um Ezra. Okay. There's there's a lot of stuff. Um, something to note that the prophet is muted in this book, apart from mentioning Haggai and Zechariah, and we talked about that in depth. That now the prophet we not hearing about a prophet. Because the prophet was there to give you bad news, right? Yeah. So right now we're in a restoration, right? We're getting restored. Not us, but Israelites are getting restored. So there's there's warnings, but the warnings that they need to hear is what's in the word. So basically Ezra and Nehemiah are cleaning house. Ezra saying, y'all know y'all ain't supposed to be married to these people. How you going to be priests and Levites and you you violating what's in the law? Right? right? Mm -hmm. And remember, I do believe that in um, 2 Kings, we talked about the king that found um, the Torah and discovered that... Um, that was in Josiah. Yeah, Josiah. Josiah. 
Thank you. Y'all learning. Um, then we talked about how he found, he, they found the book and he reformed. Correct. Remember we talked about that they hadn't did the Passover correctly, right? Um, the, this era is called the second temple of Judaism. This era gave birth to what? Anybody want to guess what this era gave birth to? I gave you a clue earlier. Give the clue again. You said it's the start worship of the without the temple. Yeah. What? So what? What? What is? What is your denomination? What does you, your belief mean? What do we call our belief? Christianity. Thank you. Oh. This era gave birth to Christianity. Faithful Jews have hope that the Messiah would revive um relieve them from oppression and bring the kingdom of God to the faith on earth. And the practice of monotheism of God is present. Now, what we talked about in Judges and in Second Kings, because um, um, and in um, Joshua it was one God, right? But you still talk; they still talked about the other gods. All those books talk about polyism, which means that you believe in multiple gods. Monotheism, polytheism. Yeah. You talk about uh, multiple gods because you know in Second Kings we kept talking about how they was worshiping, we bringing down the the uh, temples and all this other stuff because they were worshiping multiple gods and not the one true God. So the concept, which I don't know why it would be a new concept because that's what you're supposed to been doing the whole time, is now you worship one God. All these other gods you don't worship. And Cyrus in the Persian government was good about not really caring whether who you worship as long as you abided by the rules. Mm -hmm. Similar to who? The Romans. As long as you abide by their rules, they didn't care who you worship. Yeah. And 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 you weren't trying to overthrow the government. He, you know, um, you did that. So the question is, isn't this what we're supposed to be doing the whole time? And I just asked that, right? Mm -hmm. They were supposed to be doing that the whole time, and I guess they forgot. Well, or they, didn't, they, they were distracted. Yeah. And they right? were intermingling with everybody else and then destroy all of They were intermingling with everybody else and around them. But it's easy. Mm -hmm. And we criticize them, but it's so easy. Yeah. Because if... If you in a a a town and a space and you don't see nobody else that look like you, yeah. who you supposed to be with? Yourself? Yeah, it's hard to stand out by yourself. I'm not justifying by any means that violating God's law is what you're supposed to do, but it is understandable why they how it occurred. Yeah, it's, it's now I don't understand how the Levites and the priests did it, but if the, if I understood that, I would understand why pastors and 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 lay persons do what we do. I mean, that's just human nature, right? Exactly. Okay. So listen to this, please. Write this down. I'm gonna slow down. Holy people, no intermarriage with the local Canaanites. We know that's in the Pentateuch, in Deuteronomy seven and three. We just talked about that in Ezra nine and two. And we'll talk about that some more in Nehemiah 10 and 30. Another thing that we need to talk about that a tradition of the Israelites is prohibitions of the Ammonites and Moabites in the assembly. And we just read that in Deuteronomy 23, 4 through 5. And we'll talk about that again in Nehemiah 13. The divine promise to return the penitent to Israelites from Dispara, which means that God promised that he would bring them back. It is paraphrased in Deuteronomy 30, 1 through 5, and Nehemiah 1, 8 through 9. Constructing of the booths for the festival of Shagat, that's in Le uh, uh, Leviticus 23, 42 through 43, and Nehemiah 8. The solemn assembly of the Sagat day eight is talked about in Leviticus and in Nehemiah. They talk about the festival of sacrifices, Numbers 29, 
12 through 38, and it talks about this in Ezra. And so there's a whole bunch of lists of things that um, Ezra brought out that they were not practicing because they, of course, they didn't know. They talk about an annual temple tax. They have to start paying taxes to rebuild the temple. They didn't have to pay that before, right? right. They talk about the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, participation regulations regarding strangers and ritual purification. Um, it's, that's talked about in Exodus, Le, um, uh, Leviticus, and Numbers. But Ezra 6 and Nehemiah 12 talks about that. They talk about daily burnt offerings, and, and it's it's more and more and more. But at the end of the day, Ezra and Nehemiah are rebuilding the practice of what they did before, right? Mm -hmm. Because, of course, when you are um, in 70 years has passed since they really, well, they weren't even really practicing it correctly before. So it's been hundreds of years, and plus the, the, the traditions have stopped because they didn't have their um temple. their temple they didn't have their their country they didn't they couldn't really do what they wanted to do right mm -hmm. okay and the word was simply missing yep did nobody have any Nebuchadnezzar took over and the Syrians got rid of northern northern the word just disappeared mm -hmm. there was no written word to be found um and we talked about the holy people. Of course, that's talked about again. Um, Ezra and about rebuilding the temple. And, and um, Nehemiah is um, talking about completing it. But Ezra and Nehemiah, if you don't learn anything else, when we start really getting into it, is um, the testimony to God's ability and willingness to be present among his people and act on their behalf, even when they're experiencing trouble in the present. So he didn't forget about them. Mm -hmm. He punished them and then came back and um, helped and, and used and restored them. Right? So um, one thing I would like you to look at as I want you to see how it compares what happened in Ezra and in Nehemiah, how it compares to what we call Christianity now. Because a lot, well, most of it, a lot of the seeds of how we practice now is in these books. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What Ezra just did, what Ezra was doing as a scribe, he's doing what pastors and teachers do now. Mm -hmm. Now, not necessarily saying that the Levites didn't have a purpose. We're going to talk about them. But... You, you. Number one, we will be talking about who was able to be a priest and who was not able to be a priest. They had to prove themselves, and we'll talk about it in chapter two, and in chapter one, they had to prove themselves, right, um, of their line. But you will see that God's holy people are talking, kind of, not kind of, but actually, what Pastor was preaching about, not preaching about, but teaching about last Tuesday changes from I am this is the seed to the faith mm -hmm. this is the beginning of the faith everybody understand what I'm saying mm -hmm. so it connects mind you we did not do this on purpose we did not discuss what he was going to teach and what I was learning and so I find it always uh, in God's plan but I always find it not coincidental because God knows no coincidence is that whatever we are teaching in the night class correlates the day class and we don't communicate. Mm -hmm. I understand that. You understand what I'm saying? Right. We don't, he just like teach this and I teach it. He don't know what I'm going to teach and I don't know what he's going to teach because of course when he's teaching, I'm at work. Right. So I want you to understand that all everything we're learning is in God's plan at God's time. So we're really now looking into what it is to be a believer faith-based relationship, faith relationship with God how you are supposed to focus on God he's supposed to be your only God but understanding that just because you say you believe in one God don't mean that you don't have idols mm -hmm. 
And the issues of idol, the idols might not be talked about a lot in Ezra and Nehemiah, but it's still present. I just said that they, the priests and the leaders didn't want to get divorced because they know they weren't supposed to intermarry. Your marriage, not saying, not saying anybody's marriage now, but the marriage at that time was an idol. How can you be a Levitical priest and you're violating the laws of God? Right, you covered the stranger. Right. So you, you, how can you do a sacrifice if you, if you, your hands is not clean? What happened to the priest in First Samuel, whose whose um, kids and him were not doing what God told them to do? Right. I'm ask. I'm not saying names because they they should know, and I want them to tell. But you did that right. They died. Exactly what they died because they were disobedient. They their sac. So the sacrifices that they were giving to God on behalf of the people were unclean. So let's take that and correlate it to what Jesus did. Jesus said. What y'all doing in here? All of y'all unclean. Y'all worried about what I'm, who I'm healing on the Sabbath day, but you selling stuff inside the temple. Right. Because you, what I told y'all today, Ezra says that the priests were supposed to be the gatekeepers of the house. Now, when we talked about Ezekiel, we talked about that a long time ago, but we talked about the purpose of the temple. And nowhere in the temple was it saying that you're supposed to be doing everything under the sun. However, we do that now. We are doing pops and circumstances and people, I'm not criticizing nobody, but when do we focus back on Jesus and God and not on semantics? Come on. Yeah. This is what Ezra and Nehemiah is cleaning house. So Dottie people say, get your house in order. That's exactly what they're doing. And, and I think that that's a message that we all need to receive, that we need to get our houses in order and have our lives as much as we can, thank God for Jesus, aligned with what God is telling us. And we all have um, room for improvement. And we need to strive for that. So I'm giving you the introduction um, you will get, we will get the other book, um, the companion book and understand the reason why I'm using it. Cause just how I did in second Chronicles, sometimes you need more explanation. Mm-hmm. And if it's, if, if I find it, we, you know, we, we give it the weight that it deserves. Amen. Okay. All right. Heavenly father, we come right now. God, God, we know we're not perfect. But we're going to strive to do the best that we can to align ourselves. And we know that the Holy Spirit will help us do what we need to do. God, we just thank you for life, health, and strength. God, we ask you to bless those who are grieving, those who are sick, those who are sick in the mind, and in the heart, and in spirit, God. Lord, continue us to do what our the name of our church, to walk in truth to go line by line, verse by verse, and understand what you're trying to tell us through your word. Lord, we don't want to be lost because you found us. So we need to continue on our path. We ask for safety as we go home. We ask you to cover everyone in our church, anybody that is going through, having any sickness, anything that is not like you in our hearts, Lord, release it and help us learn to be better. And so we just thank you right now, God, for being able to assemble here without any condemnation or fear. We just thank you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Next week will be Thank you for listening to the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. If this message has been a blessing to you, consider donating on your favorite platform. You can donate by looking in the description box and picking your favorite platform of choice, Venmo, Cash App or PayPal. Continue listening. And your prayers are needed, welcomed and appreciated. Hello everyone, this is Tanika Drake and I am going to share a book with you that I've written called The Gift of Finding God's Love, Guilt and Shame Turned Into My Shine. 
please check that book out either on Barnes & Noble or you can find it at Amazon or any place where you can get that book. Remember, it is not okay for anyone to hurt or harm you. Please check that book out and happy reading everyone.